They're loading into the barriers. Moods, Mytho, Rog and the Rain Man. And they're underway for Moody on the Mic. Yes, we are back. Another edition of Moody on the Mic. I'm Roger Aldridge. Here we are again. Peter Moody, Anthony Mitten, the resident Rain Man, Tom Hackett. Moods, I've got to start. Sometimes I'll, uh, I'll see something pop up in the news and I'll be like, why the fuck didn't he break that news on the show? And I thought... He's another case. He's done it to me again when I was watching the races the first at Geelong last Friday. Oxley Road hit the front. Oxley Road, Oxley Road. I'm like, Moods has brought Oxley Road out of retirement. No, Terry Bailey just uh, did a, did himself a mischief in the race call. I thought you'd uh, got Oxley Road <laughs> out of retirement and thrown him in a benchmark 64 on Good Friday. <laughs> I actually uh, was privy to that and uh, found it quite humorous. I was watching the replay for some reason. I can't recall what it is and... Uh, I was privy to that. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't, uh, I'm not sure. Oxley Road, he's yet to find a home at Stud in Australasia, I believe, but I think the process is underway of finding him a home, so let's hope he finds one. But uh, more importantly, great weekend of Easter racing, one at uh, Good Friday, uh, one of the sacred days. Uh, we race for the second year in uh, Victoria, a terrific prize money. Listen, it doesn't change our lives any, does it? It's. Uh, uh, we we got to work the horses and exercise the horses every day of the year. So another day's racing. I suppose it's only a matter of time until we kick off after 1pm on Christmas Day and have a meeting there as well, I suppose. We'll have to have Christmas breakfast instead of uh, lunch. Uh, but that's life. But uh, more importantly, uh, they came, they conquered, they smacked our ass again, the Poms. Absolutely. And, and I mean, we'll get to that. But obviously, you've got a little bit of a gripe there, Peter, because you brought up the Good Friday. We're going to be racing till one o'clock on Christmas Day. Uh, that was completely unsolicited. Uh, so you're obviously not overly happy with it there, uh, Moots, uh, given that that was that was I hadn't teed you up for that one. No, oh, listen, no, it's just one of those things. I, was, I suppose it's going to happen inevitably. Uh, um, and like I said, I don't, think, so. I don't the... think they're going to race on Christmas Day. I don't think they're going to. Well, uh, they're playing Big Bash on Christmas Day. NBA's played on Christmas Day for forever. Yeah, a lot of things. A lot of things happen on Christmas Day. Listen, we've still got to get up and work the horses on Christmas Day, and we've still got to have a roster of people working and exercising the horses that afternoon. But we can do it in a minor nature. But uh, the good thing about the Good Friday is it is terrific prize money. But the fact that we've got to pay triple time to our staff to attend those meetings. Uh, it's just one of those uh, things that uh, we probably do. We need it. I don't know. Uh, I hope the betting turnover justifies uh, what's happening there. I think uh, the way that will change uh, our podcast minds about Christmas Day racing would be uh, a big, juicy pop-up race with uh, a Moody Racing or a Rosemont Stud-owned horse uh, as one of the favourites. Like that's what we need to get uh, us on board with Christmas racing. Oh, we'd be chips in then, Rain Man. We would be big time chips in. I was looking through what races we were going to do uh, today, and I thought, oh, this showdown's worth a million bucks. But come on, he gives a shit for the two year old race. And then I noticed that Rosemont had a horse run. I thought, oh, shit, I better put it in the rundown. Better put it in there, because Mitho, <laughs> if he's got a runner and a pop up, he is all in. Come on, the pop up. I, I had one nominated for the race that had run two fourths one of them in a four-horse maiden at Geelong at its last start, and it was going to make the field if I chose to accept, but I took the low road, and it's running in a packet of maiden tomorrow evening. <laughs> packet of maiden worth a million bucks, though, isn't it? Oh, I wish. <laughs> hey, you mentioned it before, though. Uh, uh, Animo was beaten uh, by uh, Dubai Honour, and, and it wasn't 
you know, just a, you know, dueling to the line. I mean, Dubai Honor, like you said, absolutely spanked him. And does that make us sort of question where we are as an industry or Australian racing around that sort of 2000 metre mark that are we that far off the rest of the world or, you know, where, where do we sit, Moons? Yeah, oh, listen, I think undoubtedly so. It's, it's happened time and time again. Um, with uh, these internationals. And, and I think, listen, and William Haggis was quick to point out, uh, Dubai Honor's grown a leg since he's come out here. I think a trip away and a change of scenery. The horse has grown up. His three-year-old form was probably genuine group two form in Europe. Uh, his, his last season, he said he had legitimate excuses, but he was getting a beat, beat a long way. But he, one of his quotes was quite interesting. He said, if this horse was in the Prince of Wales Stakes at Royal Ascot, uh, which is their... Uh, flag-bearing mile and a quarter race, he said he'd be a 25-33 to one shot and probably genuinely so. But what we probably now need to see Dubai Honor do is go home and win a, a good quality Group 1 race a la State of Rest. But I, I did note that William Haggis actually played down State of Rest. You might recall last week I tipped Alan Kerr to run a big race in this and uh, I wish I had heard um, William Haggis's comments beforehand because he said... if you know, Alan Kerr can, can tail up State of Rest, State of Rest beat Animo. Uh, I reckon uh, I reckon William might have got a few Australian dollars in the pocket out of uh, Saturday's run, and not only through the prize money pot as well, uh, if he uh, significantly felt those form lines were a, a hell of a lot stronger. Yeah, I think William Haggis has sort of underplayed Dubai Honour a little bit. I'm not sure he's given the horse its full justice. Its form last season... Uh, in Europe was inconsistent, but it still ran second in a champion stakes, which is one of their flag, mar flag uh, mount group one races. And I think you make a really good point, Moose. When State of Rest up, came out and won the Ludbrokes Cox Plate, where people were up in arms in a similar situation, and then he went back and won the Prince of, Prince of Wales, beat Bay Bridge, who ended up being one of the the best horses of the year and uh, won a group one in, in France as well. So, and you could make the same argument about a day, but Dave came out here, kicked him a very elegant head in and we're all up in arms that a day is not a true group one horse in the UK, went back to the UK and won a group one as well. So I do, I do buy on it. There's a few different options for it on the table. looks like it will uh, hit, have a hit and run mission in Hong Kong on the way home, which would be interesting to see how it stacks up to the, the Hong Kong 2000 meter horses. And then I assume we will see it in a Prince of Wales stakes. And I'm pretty confident it won't be 30 to one like William Haggis has suggested. So it mightn't be a 33 to one shot in the Prince of Wales stakes now, but it's, it's probably going to Hong Kong post this. I think they're trying to make every post a winner while they're on this trip. Probably suggests that William Haggis has got a pretty good team at home. Hong Kong is just probably a, uh, a drop in on the way home afterthought race and not many of them come off where you're going to run into some crack Japanese and Hong Kong gallopers in that race. There's a chance he could get lapped there and it could be detrimental to his uh, European spring, but I'm not uh, double guess William Haggis, but I'm thinking I'd be keeping an eye on his team at home, uh, thinking that he's probably got a couple more handy mile and a quarter horses at home that he thinks can be competitive in those races and maybe he doesn't need to by honour there. I just don't want to downplay State of Rest too much because obviously Star Spangled Banner and Mythos had a tough enough week as it is because he'd been bankrolling Animo's prizes all the way through the autumn and poor old Mytho, he's come a gutter. I came a gutter, yeah. Poor old Animo couldn't quite live up to the European hot pots and uh, that was all a bit disappointing. But um, oh, look, Animo's still a great horse and uh, I think there was a suggestion that Maybe you should drop back to the 1600. Um, 
I mean, he did run second in a golden slip of the horse, so uh, he's he's got speed, that's for sure, and he's got precocity. So um, I don't know what his best trip is, but he didn't. He certainly didn't disgrace himself. And interesting to see Dubai Honor being by pride of Dubai. That was, you know, is Aussie bred, um, Aussie product. Um, so we talk about these Europeans coming out and whooping our our backsides. Um, well, here's a here's a horse by a a, a, a true blue Aussie stallion. Um, that, a blue uh, diamond stakes winner. What's that? A blue diamond stakes winner as well. Yeah, c- correct. Yeah, who's who's come out one of a, a, a wait for age two thousand meter race, one of the best in the in the country. Um, I saw also the suggestion. I'd be interested in everyone's comments. Um, you know the Queen, the, the the Queen Elizabeth, or the Cox Plate, the Ladbrokes Cox Plate, which is our our best wait for age two thousand meter race uh, on the on the balance of all that. Um, I've still got the Ladbrokes Cox Plate well and truly uh, number one in the pecking order, particularly given that you're half a chance to be run on a dry track. Yeah, racing New South Wales propaganda. Anyone spruiking that argument? I love the Queen Elizabeth. I think it's a great race, but it's got nothing on a Ladbrokes Cox Plate. What, what we're missing from the weekend, though, there was great results, but the big group one was, of course, the Sydney Cup, won by Explosive Jack, who, if I recall correctly, and again, I could be wrong here, it's happened before, uh, Moods, did you not spot Explosive Jack and uh, and therefore an owner mate of yours is the owner of Explosive Jack on your advice? Yeah, well, when I was in my training hiatus, I was doing a bit of bloodstock work and went to the New Zealand sales and... Uh, I spotted the son of Jackalbury over there and I thought, God, it's a bloody nice horse and I, and I really like the look of the horse and, and a mate of mine and a client of mine that uh, raced dissident and he's since raced a lot of good horses called Nick Johnson. I gave him a call and I said, I've spotted one here in New Zealand It's by and he had a share in Jackalbury. I said, it's by your old horse. So uh, long story short, I purchased him for 100000 on behalf of Mick and some mates and uh, he... Uh, at the time, uh, mixed horses all transferred from Darren Weir to Kieran Maher, and Kieran and Dave have been the beneficiary. I actually sent Kieran and Dave a little text congratulating them on Saturday evening uh, on, on the great result. I said, three derbies couldn't get me a cart and a 4X gold. Uh, maybe a Sydney Cup can. Uh, so, uh, But uh, nothing's arrived in the mail yet. Maybe Rog can send you a carton of Forex uh, gold uh, moves because uh, he does back Explosive Jack every start because it's the same name as his son. So he's made uh, a, a fair share of cartons from that horse. So be a good bloke, Rog. Just give him a carton. Funnily enough, this is, I'm lamenting this because not only did I not – I did win – He uh, jumped off. I, I won significantly on him in the ATC Derby at 34-1 to 1, um, two years ago. Not only did I not back him, I didn't even find a spot for him in my quaddy and therefore went oh, out first no. leg. And oh, uh, yeah, I copped oh, a little bit of grief. Poor, from that's my... poor parenting is what that it's is. All right. It's all right because as we'll get to in our preview a bit later, I'm going to make up for it this weekend. Before we finish our casual chat about all things racing, does anyone know what barrier did Amelia's jewel draw in the quokka? <laughs> Well, listen, I don't know. It mightn't be the worst draw uh, for Amelia's Jewel in the Quokker. Obviously, there was a stuff up in the barrier draw there, uh, unfortunately, for Western Australian authorities uh, a couple of days ago. And they redrew partial field. And uh, the ruling favourite came out with gate 14. I think if you're going to redraw anything, you've got to redraw it in its entirety. Um, So, uh, but, you know, listen, if if Amelia's Jewel had drawn four, 
some other poor bastard drew 14, we wouldn't have heard anything of it and it wouldn't have made news. Yeah, see, I completely disagree that we should have redrawn the lot. And that's only because, speaking out of self-interest, because the Labroke slot runner and the Quokka, Bella Nipatina, has drawn ideally in Barrier 6. She didn't have to be redrawn. She'll be winning the Quokka from Barrier 6. Didn't we have a Barrier draw incident over here in the spring where they... The Empire Rose, Wayne Hawks, the Team Hawks was impacted, so Wayne Hawks got seven days of media out of it. So, yeah, we, we've had a pretty bad run. <laughs> they left one marble out of the jar when they, they drew the 15-horse field and... When the 15th one went up to get a marble, there wasn't one left. <laughs> I'm with you, though, Moods. I think, uh, I think the outside for Amelia is Jewel. Who cares? She'll, 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 be, uh, she'll be well placed. She, she drew the inside um, in her pipe opener uh, first up a couple of weeks ago, and, and that looked a bit dicey, but she was able to navigate her way clear and, uh, and come with a withering burst. And I think she'll be able to find clean air when she needs to. And... Um, her and Bell and Nipatina, God give them both strength, uh, charging down the outside together. Do you want to wait till we do the Quokka preview, Mitho, or do you just want to go for it now and just, uh, just go a little bit early? I am excited about the Quokka. I'm no, really well, we've got the Quokka in the rundown, so we, we could get to it. We can go in depth, but we'll just take that as your tip, and the rest of us will have a crack later on. But uh, we might take a break, come back, preview the four biggest races in the country this weekend, including the time-honoured Quokka. Ladbroken and multiply the excitement with Ladbroke's Same Race Multi. To build a Same Race Multi, head to your chosen race. Find the Same Race Multi tab and pick two to four runners to finish anywhere inside the top four. Add up to four runners to watch your potential payout increase. Ladbroke's Same Race Multi. Available on Thoroughbred, Greyhound, Harness and International Races. Ladbroken. T's and C's apply. See website for details. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Let's kick off with the group one, one of the two group ones this weekend, the Champagne Stakes. The race for the two-year-olds. Rayman, give us a taste of the market. Yeah, market suggests it's a race in two here, Rog. Only two horses at single-figure odds in the Ladbrokes market. Militarised. The size produce stakes winner is the favourite at 2.25. Don Corleone is there at 4.20. Then you've got a big gap to the horse on the third line of betting for Godolphin. Tom Kitten there at $11. And I, I think the market, the gap between Militarised and Don Corleone is a, a little bit large here. And if you're looking at starting price profile, Militarised started basically 20, $21.00 in that size produce stakes. Don Corleone was $7.50. And I think we, we said a few weeks ago that we do need to be a little bit wary of the form coming out of Randwick that day. Obviously, outside of I wish I win, who is the best horse in the country? Uh, the form coming out of Randwick that day because of the, the nature of that heavy track. So if you if you do ignore that last start in the size produce and, and you just look at starting price profile and you look at how these horses had run in the in the, the other leader races, the Golden Slipper, Don Corleone does have a, a better body of work. So I think he's a pretty good bet here to turn the tables on Militarise, who looks very short for me at 225. Keen to be with Don Corleone there at $4.20. The other horse I want to back at uh, double-figure odds, uh, each way for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, is bases loaded. Uh, $15 the wins, $3.60 the place. Never really uh, – wasn't bad behind Militarise uh, in, in the in the size produce stakes. Before that, Chase times Jinzo uh, in the, the in the, its lead-up race to the Golden Slipper as well. So it's got pretty good form bases loaded, and you're getting $15 for a horse that will go forward and make its own luck on the speed. So two-bet play for me, Don Corleone and bases loaded. I'm going with Milter, right? He's spanked. I know you're saying we're in the form, but he, he crushed him. Five-done deal. He, he's going to love, like, if, if we get anywhere near a heavy, heavy track again, then 
I think he's just going to eat it up. And 235, yeah, it might be a bit short, but I still think he's going to win. And any price, a winner. I'm going a bit of value here. I'm H-Way Tom Kitten. Um, thought uh, was pretty impressive uh, last start and can get it done again. That'll do me. The Kitten. They've had a, had some deep prep, some of these horses. Don Corleone, militarise, bases loaded. Um, I suppose it's just going to be survival of the fittest. What's got enough legs to push it through? Don Corleone's gone around the Blue Diamond, the Slipper, the Sires. Uh, militarise, oh, listen, I'm probably just with him for the fact that he's probably hasn't had as much tough racing, if that makes sense. Um, and I can't find one under the amongst the lighter raced horses that's got the form to mix it up. So I'm with Militarise. Uh, I think he'll come out on top just for the fact that he's probably got less hard miles in his legs. Pretty handy field's been put together for the all-age stakes. Rain Man Giga Kick first time out to 1,400 metres, uh, and he is at the top of a reasonably open market. Yeah, this is a great race, great race, Rog. I love the all age stakes because you get a it's a real weird mix of form. You get horses coming from all over the show. So in the market, you've got Giga Kick at three ten. He's coming out of that TJ Smith. Zaki first up from a spell. Mazu comes out of the TJ as well. Jack and O hasn't been seen at the races since the Australian Guineas. Cascadians dropping back in trip substantially after winning an Australian Cup. Uh, it's a, a really interesting race and Andy Horse uh, He's a very good horse, Cascadian. Uh, he's uh, a Group 1. There's plenty of Group 1 winners in, in this field. And uh, there has been early market support for Cascadian, who is into 9.50 in the Ladbrokes market. But I think it's a race the market's got just about right. I think Giga Kick is a deserving favourite because he may have been beaten by a Wish I Win in the TJ Smith. That was still an outstanding performance. And if he can handle the step up to 1,400 metres, he does look like he'll be very tough to beat. I think I was hoping the market would take a bit of a set against Zaki here because Zaki can run a big race first up, but... He's been well and truly respected by the market there at $6. So the horse I want to back here at a bit of a, bit of a price is Rockin' Horse. $23 to win, $5.50 the place. He's a horse that's, uh, she is a horse, I should say, that's uh, got some big scalps on, on her resume. We saw her knock off Nature Strip in the, the Dali Champion Sprint uh, in the spring. Uh, she's she's won a new market handicap at a big price. And she started slow this preparation, but she returned to her best form in the William Reed Stakes where she finished third behind Imperatrice and Bellinipatina. I think that's going to prove to be a strong race to William Reed. So uh, it's a, in a very open race. I want to back number nine, Rockin' Horse each way. And Rockin' Horse only really wins at big prices, doesn't she? She's, uh, like you said, she's got a very good track record and, and he's consistently underrated. I don't mind that, Rayman, but I, I, I just think Duck, uh, Giga Kick, just, he hasn't won, but he hasn't really put a foot or a hoof wrong and if he does see out 1400 then you know he's going to handle any type of ground you know he's, he's just an absolute star horse and I, I reckon Clayton will get it right I, I think he's going to nail this I hope he does um I'm I'm going to back him off the back of how strong he was to the line in that last 1200 when I wish I win and him went to it uh nearly together um I know it's not always not always a great indicator when they when they get home strong at 1,200 that they want 14, but I think this might be the case. And, geez, that's going to open some very exciting doors for Giga Kick going forward. Yeah, it, it's it's a fascinating race, I reckon, because of exactly that. The, the form line's coming from everywhere. Horses uh, tried at different distances. Um, just uh, looking there, Ray, man, at, um, I was thinking Rockin' Horse over 1,400. Uh, I only had the one try at it. I'm not exact. I didn't go deep into the form to, to check... Um, uh, where that was or, or what exactly happened, but um, didn't figure in the placings. But interestingly on um, pedigree, um, 
she's closely related to Harlow Gold that I reckon moves. You might have trained to run third in a um, in an Oaks. Um, Travolta, who was a ATC Cup winner, Australia Day Cup winner, one up to a mile and a half. Um, and Westmuller, who won a Wellington Stakes over a trip as well. So um, actually a stout pedigree from uh, Rock and Horse. So surprised they haven't tried her um, up to a mile, given that there's so many mares races at a mile that, um, you know, add to her, add to her, um, her pedigree and, and her performances. But, um, yeah, for that reason, I, I, might, I might stick with Rayman and back Rock and Horse each way. Well, I'm with the world's best trainer. Australia's best jockey and the best horse in the race, Zaki. Uh, mm. Annabelle Neesham took the foot off the pedal there early in the prep, put him away, wasn't happy with him, gave him a freshen up. So he's had a couple of little jump outs since then. Um, listen, this is a horse that wins these races first up. Group one, wait for age. Soft track, as long as it doesn't get any worse, it's not going to be too gut-wrenching. I think Zaki wins if he's anywhere near his best. And I'm backing Annabelle Neesham to have him there. Uh, what about Ho-O Amazon? Uh, this is the suggestion that this was the reason Mr. Yahagi came out to Australia. Um, two on the soft for two wins. Unusual for a Japanese horse to have wet track form. Full stop. Don't know where it sits in the food chain, but uh, oh well. Uh, you've got to respect the Japanese because uh, along with the Europeans, they tend to smack our bottoms when they get here. And I think Jack and O and Giga Kick are both star three-year-olds. Uh, they get the weight relief. They'll both right, be right in the mix, but uh, I think they'll find a tough stumbling block in Zaki. Yeah, Ho-Wo Amazon is a, quite an interesting horse, Moods. It uh, definitely has really had ebbs and flows when it's come to its uh, its uh, form in, in Japan. But as you rightly point out, it's two, two of its highest rated performances uh, have come on uh, soft racing services, which we know is rare for the Japanese horses coming to Australia. And the Japanese have won this race before. They haven't had many runners, but they won it with Hana's goal uh, uh, a few years ago. It's probably a horse with a similar profile to Ho-Wo Amazon. So, yeah, I think... Uh, don't discount the the Japanese horse, that's for sure. He won't. He won't. That's right. And we're going to go to Sandown now, and we're going to look at the showdown, the million-dollar race for the two-year-olds. And as we mentioned earlier, it does have a runner in the Rosemont Red. We've got a clear favourite here. She's all shenanigans. Linda Meach, friend of the show, in the saddle. Uh, it's $2.80. Critique on the second line of betting at six fifty, along with Apache Song. Butch Cassidy with Luke Nolan in the saddle is $8.50. Uh, She's all shenanigans is a, an interesting horse. She absolutely bolted into to win at Bendigo last start by four lengths and stamp herself as the, the horse to beat in this race. This is the first time she's been out to, to 1,200 metres, though, which I do think is a little bit of a question mark. She's definitely got all the early speed in the world. I think she'll go forward with Linda Meach in the saddle, there's no doubt. But I'm just worried she might be found wanting at the end of uh, 1,200 metres here. And as much as it pains me to say it, I almost threw the pineapple at this race. I've never thrown the pineapple before, but this race almost made me do it. And I looked a little bit closer. I did my numbers, and the horse that came up as the value runner is number 10 Treasure A for uh, the Rosemont Stud team. Uh, three, four starts, four third placings, but they've been in handy races. And, and this is certainly, there's a lot of money on the line, but this race is no tougher than uh, a Breeders, which uh, Treasure A ran third in last start behind Bossy Nick and Love Asuo, who I think is a handy horse that came out of the race last week with some issues. So in a really uh, open race, I'm happy to uh, get behind the, the Rosemont Ruffy here at a nice price. 
I also had a very good look at the form guide for this one. Very deep. Uh, million dollar race, I thought I'd better study it hard. And uh, and I took that form guide and I, I placed it on the wall and I threw a dart at it. Um, or is the modern day equivalent, I ran a 14 horse field through a random number generator and I came out with number seven and that is Mr. Vane at around 20 to one. On debut, Mr. Vane as well. So no pineapples were killed in the making of your tip no, there, Roger, which no, we appreciate. No, purely the Googleator. Oh, look, am I, have I gone mad here? Like, Treasure Way has run in stakes races her last two starts. She was unlucky when beaten 1.2 in the Festival Stakes behind Princess Dallahallo and Butch Cassidy. She's then gone to the Thoroughbred Breeders, which was a nice group three race for, for albeit for fillies. Festival stakes before that was for fillies and colts. Um, she's, she's got beaten two and a half lengths there and, and ran a bottler. Um, didn't get out when she needed to, flashed late, um, really, really monstered the line. Uh, that's the, is that not the best form in the race? I, I don't know. I, maybe maybe the, the gold rush form at Bendigo is the, the form and that's, that's why we've got our favourite. But um, I don't know. I just figure that that's pretty good form. And perhaps if it was trained by PG Moody, not uh, Jason Warren, um, it would be coming up sort of half the price. So I reckon you're getting really good value about a, 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 a two-year-old filly by Star Spangled Banner that we rate pretty highly. Um, and you're getting great value. So I, all I can tell the punters is to sool in each way. Um. Yes, I respect uh, Rain Man's right to nearly pull the pineapple out here. At, uh, it's an indifferent race. I'm going to back Linda Meach to judge She's All Shenanigans uh, in front in this race. I know it's a soft way out taking the favourite, but uh, no better judge of speed. I think she'll roll along at an even enough gallop. Probably the bigger concern is the two Waterhouse bot runners um, drawn wide, you know, they're going to roll forward in Butch Cassidy and critique and just how much pressure they put on. She's all shenanigans in the early stages. But uh, Meech has a terrible good habit of just going fast enough to get left alone and, and, and stop them annoying her. So let's hope that's the case. And I think it'll be uh, a big day out for Simon Zara and Linda Meech with She's All Shenanigans. Let's move on now to a race that we have already touched on. And you probably know which way uh, Mitho and Rayman are going. But Let's go to the time-honoured quokker, Rayman, and give us the market. Emile's Jewel is the favourite, two ninety into two dollars eighty. Bella Nipotina, the Labrokes slot runner, racing in the colours of the Labrokes Racing Club, has been absolutely track loaded. She was eight fifty early in the week. She's now in a four dollars clear second pick. Uncommon James, bit of a drifter, he's out to five fifty as far as ten dollars. You're getting double figures. The rest, just uh, one of our favourites, Kevin Tari's in there. There's been a little nibble. $26 into $19 for special for special K. But look, even with my Labrokes bias, I would be, I'd obviously be cheering for Bella Nipotina, but I honestly think putting on my objective glasses, doing the form properly, she is one of the best bets of the year in this race, especially at the $8.50, at the $4, especially now there is a bit of rain forecast in uh, in Western Australia this week, which will definitely help her. But her win in the Labrokes Manicato Stakes last, last year was one of the highest rated uh, sprint performances of the year. She came out first up and ran a massive race behind Cool and Gatta and I Wish I Win in the Black Caviar Lightning. D didn't bring her A game to the races in the new market, but then back to her best when she almost beat Imperatrice in a really high rated effort of the William Reed Stakes. And I don't think this race is any tougher 
Uh, Amelia's Jewel. There's a lot of hype around this horse, but she hasn't won a race of this caliber at 1,200 metres. She Her Group 1 win came over 1,800 metres in the Northerly Stakes. This is a completely different kettle of fish than what she's previously contested at 1,200 metres. She's unbeaten at the trip, but she, this is a, a huge, huge step in quality, and she's going to need to improve. She's going to need to be as good as everyone thinks she might be to be any chance in this race in the clocker. So I think we'll be cheering home the Ludbrokes runner in the clocker on Saturday. Get on, Bella Nipatina. Well, you mentioned... Um had my desertion of Explosive Jack earlier in the show, and I said I'd get back to it. Now, back in December, ahead of the Northerly, I was on a text with my good mate, Paddy Sweeney, who you know, Ray Man, he's my wife's cousin, avid listener of Moody on the Mic, Channel 9 Sport and Purse main man, and we both had a significant bet on it merely as Jewel, and I said to him, if she wins, I will name my unborn daughter Amelia. And seven weeks ago, Amelia Aldridge came into the world, and she was already going to be named Amelia before that race, but I just thought I'd take Patty for a bit of a ride. But it doesn't stop me from loving what this filly does on the track. She's got a very sticky barrier, uh, but I am backing her in to overcome that because I think racing needs horses like Amelia's Jewel, and this will be exciting if she can get up and win this in absolutely the toughest race she's ever faced. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Rog. I'm 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 all about the excitement machine from the West. Um, Amelia's jewel. I, I think she's she's got to be very close to the best horse in the country, given the sectional she puts down. Um, and I wish I wins the best horse in the country. How well, rude! Cover your ears, Moods. Well, Moods is pretty black and white when it comes to assessing other people's horses. You should hear some of the updates I get about the slow ones. I can't make them public, <laughs> otherwise it's me out of it. I reckon she's a beauty, Amelia's jewel, and I'm I'm excited to see her go around. I think that the barrier 12 is actually an advantage rather than a disadvantage. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see her out of trouble and make her run when she wants to, and um, she'll peel off sectionals that no one will be able to match, and she'll she'll win the quokka. Is the quokka a little animal? Is that what it is? It is. On ro- native native Australian animal. Right next to Ireland. Right. I like it. It's like a rat. A bit like you said. A bit like yourself, Anthony, a, a native Australian animal. Uh, it's got a little bit more hair on it than your head, but in, mind <laughs> in saying that. Um, well, I, I think you've all sidestepped the obvious here. I think the horse with the best form in the race, uh, he's drawn nearly as awkward as Amelia's duel, is Uncommon James. Um, he's two and one for the three starts on slow ground. That's not going to worry him. He's very strong at 1,200 here in Melbourne. Uh, in the spring. I thought he was unlucky last start in the Galaxy. Uh, I can just see him getting a nice run probably on the back of something like Asphora or if he has to go forward and sit outside the leader, I don't think that'll be a problem either. I think he's a good thing. Uh, What odds on Common James? 5.50 at the moment, Moods. Well, I reckon it'll get truckloaded when the pros have a look at this and cut the race up. Amelia's Jewel looks like a superstar, but she's been racing in her own bubble amongst her own to this. And I'm not going to knock Western Australian form because we've seen it stand up time and again. But I need to see her do it against these horses now. She needs to beat these very good sprinters on a home deck to say she's going to come over and dominate these. She might do it. I might have to eat humble pie next uh, week when we do the show. But for mine, Uncommon James, best form in the race. I think he's nearly a good thing. A bit like Mr. Brightside was a weight special in the Doncaster. Uncommon James, best horse, best performed horse in the race. Here we have a mate dedication from Scott to Johnny. Oh, to you, Scott. 
Jono, you've got some questionable banner at times. Oh man, did you butcher the speech at both of Tim's weddings. And you barrack for the worst footy team. But mate, you nailed last weekend's multi. Love you, big fella. Good on you, Scott. Try Labrokes Mates Mo to chat, share and bet together. T's and C's apply and available on website. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Rain Man, best bets. Uh, kick us off. Well, I'm taking a little bit of a, of a risk today with my best bet because I'm tipping a Peter Moody trained horse before Peter has had his chance to talk about said horse. But I think race three at Sandown, number four, she dances, looks very, very well placed in the Vobis gold dash. Uh, we know that she uh, is a, a very, very good horse on her day. And this is a, a huge drop in class. She ran in that the listed race, the, the Sunlight, last start, which we Moods said at the time was going to be a, a very strong form reference. And the, the ratings come out of that that race have been very strong. Uh, two starts ago, she was amazing at the Valley when she won in really impressive fashion. She's drawn a little sticky, but she, we know that she she does have a little bit of uh, tactical versatility. Linda Meach in the, in the saddle as well, reuniting with Mood. So uh, I'm very keen here. Number four, she dances. Race three at Sandown. I'm going to go to Sydney. I'm going to go to Randwick. And tell you what, Graham Begg's got a few good horses going around at the moment. And Magic Time looks to be right up there with the best of them, this three-year-old filly. She's undefeated from three starts, and she's worked her way you know, from Maiden into a, he won the Amandia Elliott and then gone up to Sydney on a heavy nine and uh, and had a very nice win in the PJ Bella Group 3. She stays at Group 3 level uh, this start. She uh, she steps out to 1,400 metres and I think uh, she will be winning the James HB Carr Stakes Race 4 at Ramwick on Saturday. Race 4, number one at Ramwick, Magic Time. Well, I'm just going to tip this to make Moods little... Uh... Uh, go uh, through his runners really, really awkward because my best in the Rosemont Red is up against your best, Rain Man, also trained by PG Moody, and it's Nanagai in uh, race three, the uh, Vobus Gold Dash, the Palale Vobus Gold Dash, race three at Sandown, Nanagai to hit back. We've had some issues. We've sorted them out. We've got it right. Well, I we have anyway. Pete's going to tell us in a second, but um, she's very talented. And you talk about she dancers being back in grade. Well, Nanigai's a stakes winner herself. So why can't she win it, Peter? Uh, no argument for me, Anthony. I think uh, Nanagai and she dances, my two fillies, are the equally top rated in this race. She dances will roll forward. Nanagai probably sets back in the field a little bit. Uh, Nanagai has had a few issues and she's two duck eggs at the last two runs, but I think significantly we've worked on a few little issues with her. She will really appreciate the cut in the ground and I think uh, at probably any old odds, Rainman, what price Nanagai? $10, Nanagai. I, I think uh, she's a, an excellent chance, as I believe she dances will roll forward, probably control the race from the top with uh, Linda Meach and we just spoke of her exploits in on front running horses so i think both my fillies run extremely well in what is a very quiet saturday for the boutique stable they're our lone two runners in uh this uh, meeting uh, so race three horses four and five i would suggest you include them in your multiples i think they'll both run extremely well and i'm going to stick to my guns put my neck on the line you might have to wait all day and half the night in the eastern seaboards but stick with uncommon james in the time-honored Quokka Stakes in Perth. And in Perth, they always have a fast horse. 
and by God, they let them run fast. Let broke it.